What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. Are we going to do a Hive Jive? We are doing a Hive Jive. Ken, this is The Hive Jive. It's well, so funny, yeah. the, the radio, like, you, so we're doing your show, uh-huh. and then it's literally like, all right, flip the switch, change around, hit record on the next one, and now we're on the Hive Jive. That's it. <laughs> so no. here we are. Um, it is, I don't know when it is, it's the middle of June. Yes. Our heat wave has not hit yet. And, oh, uh, it's starting to get hot. It's getting there, but it's not there yet. Wait, well, we'll, we'll, we're we'll, not 100 for 30 days straight. Yeah, I was like, check back in August. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, that's when the heat wave, yeah. But uh, it sounds like your son, like Max, is actually kind of getting a little bit more interested and involved. And oh, if yeah. I understand correctly, you guys actually went out and did a hive inspection. Yes, we did. I uh, went and checked the uh, top bars. And uh, I know when you checked them, they had three new combs. And now we've got... Three and possibly four. They're starting on a fourth one. Uh, in Just addition to line. the first three? Nice. So that means we put in, well, we estimated that at like seven combs initially, yep. and then they had three, so they were up to yep, 10. ten. Now they're up to 13. Mm-hmm. And we kind of do that hypothetical so, 12 to 14 combs is the permanent size they need. So so now after this, I can get all the honey? You yeah actually <laughs> no I better not no that, that but that's legit so if they make if they make uh, thirteen fourteen fifteen uh-huh. and they cap those full of honey uh-huh. you can turn around and you can harvest out fifteen fourteen and thirteen and leave them with their twelve and they'd be perfect. What fine. gets me is they're out producing the two top bars are out producing the two Langstroths hand over fist. I yeah. mean we put them in there at the same time. The Langstroths have got. Well, I can't say that because we didn't open them up. What? No, we didn't what? open them. We're going to open them up Monday. Oh, uh, you're out the there in your suit. They're not working near like the top bars. Yeah. They're, the, the bees are in the top bars. They're a lot busier. Uh, they're constantly leaving in and out. The two Langstroths, I'll tell you Monday what's going on there. Uh, the bees are in and out. But they're just not near as busy. Not near as busy. Well. But we have plenty of horse mint. Horse mint's back up. Got a little shower. Horse mint's all green again. And, I mean, we do have plenty of horse mint. Yeah, our flowers around here are so every little region and every little zone is looking kind of interesting. And I I am in the truck. I basically live in that truck. And mm-hmm. I'm driving all over the place. And I'll go through spots where the Indian blanket is still vibrant and red and most ours are gone exactly that's that's my point like they'll be vibrant and they'll be everywhere and then a few miles down the road they're all dried out and they're Mm -hmm. done and and, you know they're going to seed what's taking place is the mesquite now see i'm a little upset by that because the last time i was up there at your place up north the mesquite Mm -hmm. trees were all in bloom and there were tassels everywhere Mm -hmm. and so i'm like yes because our main honey apiary is surrounded by mesquite Mm -hmm. so we get all the wildflower but when mesquite blooms I can get legitimate pure mesquite honey, and mm-hmm. I can actually source it out. Actually, our our regular honey ends up being about sixty percent mesquite when we send it in for analysis. So, I was like, yes, because we've we've got one colony. I posted on Instagram that um, the the largest colony, which is one of the oldest ones there, it's already up to six boxes, and Good gosh. they are that sixth box we just put on there. 
but they are just rocking and rolling and filling everything out and capping it up. And I'm like, man, you put that mesquite flow on top of that, and it's going to be an amazing year. I went out to the apiary and looked around. Not one of them stupid mesquite trees out there are blooming, <laughs> but yours is just all of them oh, are blooming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I need to check with Pamela and see if the apiary down by Bastrop, if it's got any going on or not. Um, and then we've got one over by Mustang as well that actually should have a lot of mesquite. But when mesquite does come into bloom for us, man, it's a bumper crop if the rain cooperates. Now, what about, do y'all have white brush? Bee brush? The bee brush, we don't have as much of that. So when we were up there looking at your stuff, there, was, there was bee brush everywhere. And where oh, we yes. put your bees, the thickets that surround it are almost oh, yeah. solid bee brush. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so you guys and should And they're all blooming, by the way, because we had to, anytime it rains, they bloom. Yeah. Yeah, and they they were looking really good. So yeah, but the you know we've got the purple horse mint. Then what did you figure out the other one was? It is spotted horse mint. Spotted horse. Mint. Yeah. So the traditional horse mint that we see around here is we've got a purple one, and mm -hmm. then it will kind of fade to a bluish and a white as it gets mm -hmm. older. But it comes out vibrant purple, mm -hmm. and then it's mainly you've got that with all of the horsemen and the bee bomb. They're all in the same family. You've got that single stem that comes up, and then you have like a, a circular plume of flowers, and then and above that about an inch or about half an inch, another plume of flowers and another plume of flowers. Well, and it's all mainly flower. It's the stem with flowers. But when you look at the spotted horse mint or the spotted bee balm, that one is a white version of the horse mint. It's got little brown speckles on the flower petals, mm -hmm. but it's got these long green and white leaves that yeah. almost completely canopy the flower so mm -hmm. you can't see the flowers at all. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just looks like a green weed out there, but underneath those, those leaf petals, you actually have the flower clusters like you normally would. And it's got... Um, the purple horse mint has a little bit sweeter smell. That spotted horse mint has a more spicy kind of aroma yeah, to it. Yeah, it did, too. You, you noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very prevalent whenever we took what that. What if that's going to taste in the honey? It could. Because our, and it would make sense because I actually describe our summer wildflower honey mm -hmm. as being full bodied with a little bit of spice. Mm -hmm. And so that would make perfect sense on, on what that is. I just didn't ever realize what that was because when you drive by and look at it, you see a green and white plant. You don't actually see flowers until you pick it and truly evaluate it. Right. And then there's places up there around us that are huge patches of that stuff. I yeah. mean, huge patches of it. Yeah, followed so, by your seas yeah, of yellow but, and orange and red. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, I see why we have so many bees. I ain't caught none of them yet, though. We had three swarms come through, and I ain't caught one yet. Well, I mean, you did. You just didn't catch them in your swarm traps. You, yeah, you caught so. them in a couple old trees. Yeah, and <laughs> we got them in trees. And, yeah. Possibly one of the cabins out on the lake. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. We'll have to definitely check into that. All right. They're not there. They've left again. Okay, so, good. Yeah, yeah they, good they got in, decided that cavity wasn't good for them because yep. they wound up inside. <laughs> yep. So, well, I guess, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, uh we have fun doing what we do and uh, enjoy it. And well, it's it's really cool that Max is actually getting involved. So he's in, got his suit. In the course of like three days, like I get texts from you all the time, so that's not yeah. anything. But then all of a sudden, your wife texts me. Then the next day, your son texts me. Mm -hmm. Then he texts me again. And uh, so I, I got a real like I had a big old grin on my face whenever that happened. And then you like, saw the box cool. that he made. Oh yeah, that we made. I he made it mostly. I just was I was the overseer. Yeah. I was a superintendent. Yeah, he uh, he he actually cracked me up on that one because when he sent the picture for that. Yeah, I know what he said. Oh, <laughs> I loved it though. It was so great. He was like, "Hey, I showed Dad how much easier it is with the table saw um, versus making them out of barrels." No, I guarantee. <laughs> and it's he easier. sent that picture, that and is... it's. 
It's great. It looks amazing. You guys did a great job on it, and it is it is way easier. Oh like, yes. The barrel is cheaper if you can find it or get it, and it's food grade, and you know that's mm -hmm. all fine and dandy. But if you can afford, you know, fifty bucks for some raw plain wood, mm -hmm. the wood building is so much easier. It is. And then you know, then we had I don't know how many top bars we've got around. So we're building now. We're building three forty-six inch long top bars. Yeah, those will be your full size. Yeah, full size colonies. We got two already, and we'll three more. We'll have four, no five. I think we're gonna keep five or six around the house, and then we'll put the Langstroths over in Mason. Very cool. Because you said that they they seem to be a little more where you don't have to stay on them as much. Right. With the solid foundation and the framework, it it pretty much, there's not really anywhere else the bees can build. Mm -hmm. They can't get super creative like they can in an open hollow space. Mm -hmm. So if you have to have a hive and you have to put it somewhere where you're not going to be able to manage it very often, then a Langstroth is definitely better for that. Your top bars, that's going to be something you, you want to be able to get to every seven days, preferably yep. every 14 at the absolute maximum. Yep. Um, especially this time of year when they're growing. Now, later in the year when there's not a in big influx of nectar, they're not going to be building new comb, then you can cut back on that and it's not such a big deal. But in those spring months in April, May, June, like you said, every week to two weeks, they're building two or three comb. Oh, yeah. And if you're not watching, man, it's it's out of control quickly. It, it, uh, it gets busy in a hurry in there. And, uh, and you know, I was kind of worried about it when we first put them in there. I told you that one, that one hive... Our nuke, uh, it didn't seem to be as busy as the other one, and now they're both just busy as heck. And when we first put them in, the two Langstroths were busier than the two top bars, and that's just the opposite. It's the dangerous thing watching them. But anyway, it is pretty cool. I'll be interested to hear and and see what we'll actually happens out. on your Langstroths to see how they're doing. Hopefully, they're doing good. Oh, well, um, I'm sure they but are. But if they're not, let me know because we oh, know yeah. that we had five that we put in there, and they had drawn out a sixth frame. Mm -hmm. If they're still right around that area, then we might want to consider, you know, doing an evaluation to see what's going on, what might be holding them back, because they've got the same resources. they got plenty uh, to eat. Yeah. The only thing is going to be your population. They need a large population to really be able to bring it in and grow quickly. Mm -hmm. So we might have to check that out. But let's uh, switch gears here real quick. So today is... Uh, well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take you out to the ball game here for a minute, and yeah. we're gonna switch over and talk about Major League Baseball bees. Baseball bees. You ever had any baseball, baseball bees? Baseball bees. <laughs> you can use a mitt to catch them. Yeah, you can. We yeah. so as everybody's probably seen, especially here in the in the states, there were a couple of instances, and they were only a couple of weeks apart, where bees a swarm of bees actually interrupted a couple of baseball games mm -hmm. one of them was the cincinnati reds game in ohio and in that situation they were lucky because there was a beekeeper that was actually able they were there at the stadium mm -hmm. watching the game and they were able to go and kind of help keep the situation under control capture the bees and save them a couple of weeks later in san diego there was actually another instance and unfortunately in that situation the bees were killed and the logic and the reasoning and stuff behind it is is kind of, you know, it could go one way or the other. And, you know, you can say, well, we weren't actually there, so we don't know the situation. But I do know that there are right ways and wrong ways to do things. And when you're on national television, you should probably err to the side of caution, which they did not necessarily mm -hmm. do. Um, but we actually have with us on the line today, we have Dirk. And Dirk is the gentleman that saved the bees in Cincinnati. Hi, All right, Dirk, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. 
Thanks for asking. Although we got some big storms coming out of the Midwest here, and it's not good for my my canoeing business. That's for sure. Ah. <laughs> so you a, you a can, are you a do you have canoes or kayaks or both? Well, we got canoes, kayaks, rafts, and just generally uh, uh, have a great platform for getting people out into the great outdoors and enjoying nature. And, and I found that bees are a, a, a wonderful. Uh, you know, fit for that for people wanting oh, to yeah. get more in tune with nature. Yes. What river do you work on? Do you haul them around to different places there in Ohio, or what do you do? Yeah, we've got a couple locations. We've got uh, in Indiana and Ohio on the Little Miami River and the uh, Whitewater River in Indiana, and uh, with camping and canoeing, kayaking. Uh, all of that. We also operate a jungle lodge in Costa Rica in the off season in the winter. So uh, uh, it's kind of a year round uh, thing for us to help facilitate people getting out outside and, and enjoy nature. Well, that's we perfect. Also a, mm -hmm. We also have an Airbnb uh, here that we're. I've started a uh, a bee experience where we take people and they they come out. We give them. Uh, a tour of our gardens and tell them what plants they can uh, plant to help the bees and all, all pollinators for that matter, and give them actual native seed packets. Then we explore a hive or look at an observation hive and then uh, treat them to a nice lunch featuring a little bit of our, uh, you know, something made with our natural buzz honey, as we call it. Nice. Very yeah. good. Heck yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, and I think it's great. You know, I think more beekeepers, uh, if they have the opportunity, could create their own experiences like that. Well, yes, you know, I, it's kind of funny how me and John, uh, I, well, John, he may not say it's funny, but <laughs> John, John says it's work. <laughs> John says. I, I take bees out of trees. I take bees out of houses. I do that all day long. Then I come have to talk to you all day. And, or now he's talking to me early in the morning, and then he has to go do that all day. Yeah. And then some days I wind critter. back out at your place doing bees. <laughs> <laughs> so. They have a way of kind of, you know, uh, taking over your life there. Uh, but, uh, you know, people really enjoy hearing about them. I, you know, I, I feel like it's a little pretentious to call myself a beekeeper because, you know, bees have been around a lot longer than you and I have. And, you know, quite honestly, I'm not even sure half the time they realize they're being kept. No, I think that well, that's one thing I've noticed as, as working with John, because John's so smart. You know, he knows so much about bees and they're so much like us. I mean, the way, every, you know, we have our workers, we have our... Well, we have a lot of drones nowadays, but we can't kill them, damn it. But anyway, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, it's just, it's, it's a whole lot like our society and, uh, it, it, it's very similar and, and it, I have a lot of fun learning about them and. Yes, absolutely. You've been keeping bees, uh, if I read it correctly, about 15 years. Does that sound right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Somewhere in the vicinity of that, yes. Very good. Well, it's a good thing you were at uh, Cincinnati Reds game and saved that swarm. You know, um, you know, I I was invited there. It was the first game I've been to this year. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I met uh, a friend, uh, one of the uh, owners of the Reds, uh, Bob Castellini, Jr., and we had uh, lunch 
came up to the suite, and I looked out, and by the backstop, you know, there's thousands of insects flying around, which I quickly identified as bees, and I turned around, and I said, Bob, you got a bee swarm in your stadium. He says, yeah, I know. I just, uh, we just got word that there's a bee delay, and, uh, and I said, well, you know, I'm a beekeeper, and these guys are going to land somewhere, and I can capture those for you, and we can get things going again, and he's like, okay, I'm going to get you whatever you need. And he immediately summoned the stadium operations manager, the groundskeeper uh, chief, and they came up there and he said, take them down there. I said, they're going to land right below us. I, I jokingly went outside the air-conditioned glass to the balcony and I gave up my best Jim Carrey, you know, come to me, my jungle creatures. And uh, <laughs> And incredibly, they started coming my way, and they and they started gathering right below our suite in a, on a on a chair that was propped up in the handicap uh, area. And uh, we went down there. I said, "Get me a box." They got me a a Joey Votto bobblehead box with Perry, like you know, maybe a dozen of them. And I said, "I need tape. I need a scissor." Uh, they're like, well, what about a suit? I'm like, you know, I explained to them these bees are pretty docile when they swarm. Um, people were kind of clearing out of that area. I said, let's just, you know, um, get a perimeter around where they're landing. And we sat there, and they they resumed the game while these bees were still swarming <laughs> in, in the area that, that I was in. And another beekeeper joined me. Uh, his name was John. And, uh, and we decided we we're going to give them time to calm down. And, fellas, here's what I find very interesting, and I think there's a lesson to be learned here, maybe uh, by all ball clubs, is that the Reds in the first inning went off to hit a couple home runs immediately, which they do fireworks after. And you're probably familiar with the old-timers talking about hanging, mm-hmm. and that if, if you uh, go out and your bees are swarming, you bang pots and pans together, and it would help them land quicker because the thought is they believe a thunderstorm's coming and they're going to gather quicker around that queen and settle down in preparation for that storm. Mm-hmm. And when they hit those home runs, I had the box ready. Uh, I immediately noticed they started uh, condensing and, and, and hunkering down quicker to the point where I picked up the chair. And as John held the box, we... I shook them into it. We closed it up. We left the hole in there, and we stayed there till the eighth inning when when I then went ahead and let him take those home because uh, I wish I would have brought them, brought them home myself, uh, painted the bees, uh, bee box red, and, and uh, had my own Cincinnati bee uh, hive. But, uh, no, it was, it was great to work together with another gentleman. Nobody got stung. I think thousands of people in the stadium and probably millions of people because of the national coverage it received around the country are a little more aware of bees and, and not to freak out. And, uh, you know, what we can perhaps do to, to help save them. And, uh, there was a beekeeper, uh, the beekeeper, there was a Reds baseball player who jokingly went out, uh, Alarmingly to me at first, until I realized it was a joke, it was Derek, Derek Dietrich, who they then dubbed Derek Beatrick. And he was going around with a water sprayer and acting like he was spraying these bees. Probably not the best thing to do. No, no, yeah. 
And uh, they got a little bit of negative press on that. And I said, why not turn the tables on him and let's create a bobblehead, put him in a bee suit with a butterfly net, and have a giant bobblehead bee chasing him. Uh, (laughs) Instead of getting a situation like we had in San Diego where uh, a lot of negative press, maybe, you know, some of it a little misdirected perhaps uh, towards their organization, um, it would be, you know, perhaps a a win for for everybody there. Instead of having a a resident... uh, exterminator we have a resident beekeeper at the stadium or at the very least all stadiums would be aware of what to do because a local bee expert could come in like i'm going to do for the reds uh in the spring and we're going to talk to the grounds crew what to do if if, uh what are the signs that you know bees may be swarming um keep some equipment on hand at the stadium, how expensive would that be, uh, you know, to do? Not much. Uh, and to have a list of from a local bee club that somebody's kind of always, they know they're on standby uh, for those particular games, and they don't go out of town, and, and that's who they call if, if, uh, if there's, a, if there's a, a swarm. Or perhaps somebody on the grounds crew is now familiar enough uh, through a little course that we give them, and, uh, and and they're able to capture the bees, and it all has a happy ending. So Yeah, that's great. Uh, and anything that can be done to help bring awareness and education and everything, because the way that you guys did it there in Cincinnati is the way that it actually should be done. You know, there, there was learning involved in that because people saw that nothing actually traumatic happened. The bees did their natural course. You guys were able to safely get them into a box. And then the situation that unfolded in San Diego was completely the opposite yeah. of that. You know, they, they on national television demonstrated exactly what you should not do. And then some of the, the press and stuff that came out afterwards, you know, they, they got a lot of criticism from it. The field specifically is owned by Petco or sponsored by Petco. And so Petco is getting a lot Ooh. of flack from it. Um, the stadium itself, the management of the stadium, and then the pest control company that actually is the one responsible for going and doing the exterminating of it, they actually gave a statement. Nobody else has released any statements, but they gave a statement stating that, you know, it was for the safety of everybody involved, that that was the only course of action they could take because if they had tried to catch them and contain them, people could have actually gotten stung. And the downside to that is, as you said, when the bees are in their swarm, that's the most docile they're ever going to be. And if you can get them to land somewhere, you can get the queen and put them into a container, they can then all funnel into that and you can close them up and safely remove them from the area. But what they do when they spray them especially depending on if it's an emergency situation and depending on the type of sprayer they're using and the type of spray, only the bees that get absolutely soaked are going to die. And the rest of them are just going to be really pissed off. And so now people are absolutely going to get stung when you could have controlled the situation and made it to where they're, you know, it could be a learning experience instead of, uh, hey, yeah, it's in the news everywhere that, you know, bees of all sorts are having problems, but let's kill these on national television yeah. so that we can continue our sports game. So you guys yeah, did a great I, job saving know, them. I don't even, and, and some to some degree, and, and uh, I saw the press where it said a beekeeper, you know, sprayed them. Well, I think that alarmed a lot of beekeepers, and they were quick to point out that that was not the case. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Dirk, we appreciate you taking the time to sit here and, and speak with us about everything that transpired there in Cincinnati and kind of the thoughts and views and stuff on the stuff in San Diego. So um, we appreciate it, and we definitely appreciate you listening to the show. That uh, is a, a great flattery and honor on our behalf yep. as well. So uh, continue on Absolutely. and keep doing a good thing, and uh, best of luck with the Airbnb with the B experience. That sounds like a really cool thing to actually do for people, so I wish you guys the best on that as well. Thank you, and, and I really appreciate you letting me have the chance to come out and, and talk about the bees. And uh, we, we do have a Facebook, Morgan's Natural Buzz Honey, with a lot of great articles to uh, raise awareness, to share, and so forth. And uh, thanks for all you guys do, for sure. And uh, all we're saying is give bees a chance, right? That's right. It <laughs> work. Appreciate it, brother. All right. <laughs> Later. Okay, well, that was awesome. I'm so glad that Dirk took the time to come in and, and speak with us. That was it, It's really always kind of cool to hear the firsthand perspective of how things happen and, uh, and how that works out. And I, I must say, though, I mean, you know, here I had it in my head that it's just a random coincidence that there's this gentleman out there. And, and uh, it was random that it was his first game. Right. But, man, he was roughing it up there in the actual box yeah. <laughs> with the owners. Yeah, with the owners. <laughs> having <all>. lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but luckily, he was there and he was able to save the bees. And, and that's really what matters and what counts. And it's all about the perception that we put out there. And if we want other people to understand that we need the bees and that the bees need us to you know, help them out in certain situations. They don't necessarily need us to survive in the wild. What they do is they need us to leave them alone, yeah. to not spray them, to not poison them, to not yeah. take away their food sources. And so, you know, anything we can do to help propagate that is definitely a good thing. And and something that uh, Dirk brought up was when they're swarming, that is their most docile time because they have nothing to protect that's except right. the queen, and that's it. Yeah, we and we've talked about that before when mm -hmm. it, it's counterintuitive to us you know our our base biology screams run for your life oh yeah but in reality that is that's the most docile they'll ever be and you can you can follow them calmly you can stand in the middle of them as they go and they land and kind of see where they're at and unless you do something to provoke them like spraying them with poison yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they usually will kind of leave you alone yep yeah. and just you know just do what you do you go to print and rake them off in a box close the box tape it up poke hole in it Take them home, dump them in half. There you go. Well, let's tell them about. I know oh. we're, we're talking bees. Yeah, and bees have and, to do with and John, nature. John and and me. John's helping. I'm uh, kind of co-host. <laughs> so, so as you tell if, them as if John doesn't have enough things to do yeah. in his life. Ken decides to throw my hat in the ring on my behalf to help out with a new podcast that he and Larry Weishan, which Larry was a guest yep. on our last episode. Um, Ken and Larry have a new podcast that is coming out, actually just came out, mm -hmm. called Untamed Heritage. And it is everything to do with hunting and fishing and wildlife biology and, and wildlife conservation. And bees are a part of that because bees are part of wildlife. They're part of conservation. And we actually, you guys invited me in to do an episode mm -hmm. with you guys. And so we did an entire thing And you brought them honey and you didn't bring me none. Well, That's I best did. damn honey I ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> Ken gets honey from me every single week, but got there was one thing. little golden jar um, that he got to taste, and it was a very unique honey, and he didn't get any, and he spent the rest of the day trying to steal theirs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
But yeah, so this new podcast is... It is in a story format, and it is Ken and Larry, and they're discussing you know everything within those realms. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it from their own experience and their own past, and you know you get to hear these really wild adventures and crazy stories, and you learn a little bit, and you get entertained at the same time. <laughs> that infotain, as we like to say, yep. and it's it's actually it's really great. So if you're interested in other things beside bees, if you're interested in hunting and fishing, or you're inter- interested in uh, you know just wildlife in general, or you know stories from anything to do with wildlife and conservation, then definitely check out Untamed Heritage. You can find that on uh, whatever podcast app you're listening to us on. You can find them there as well. Just look for Untamed Heritage. And their logo is a big orange moon in the background with a gentleman standing kind of a silhouette of Larry standing on the kind of Mm -hmm. a mountain peak. And then it'll say Untamed Heritage on it. Um, but yeah, check that out on the uh, any of the podcasts that you have, Untamed Heritage. They also have an Instagram. It is at Untamed Heritage. And you can shoot them messages and check out some photos and stuff there. They're just getting off the ground, and they'll have a new episode every single Monday as well. So be sure to check yep. it out. It's going to be fun, I guarantee. Well, if we don't, if if I'm involved, I guarantee you it's going to be fun. I, I, the, my shows, the podcast. Random and we entertaining. We just have too much fun. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's about. If we're not having fun, why are we doing it? That, I mean, exactly. Why get up at 6 o'clock in the morning? Or in your case, 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> every day. I was up at one forty this morning. <laughs> that's because you're crazy. <laughs> no, because I enjoy doing what I do. Sure. Yep, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's why I'm outside in yeah. a 10-pound suit in 100-degree weather every single day. I that suit it. is a little hot. It is a little hot, and it is a little heavy, but imagine how bad it would be if it didn't have the holes in it. Those. I wondered about, now here I am, I already, you got me thinking, getting one of the little top suits, just the you know the face and it comes down to your waist. You could. Is that okay? I it's, mean, it's okay. Until they get really mad at you and they come all over you and they sting the hell out of you. Yeah, you want to you want to always wear loose-fitting clothing. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, you want on loose-fitting pants or jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere that your fabric touches your skin, mm-hmm. they can absolutely sting you through it. Okay. So you want loose-fitting things, and then you're going to want to either Velcro or tape your ankle, the yeah, cuff the of the pants. pants. Yeah to your preferably boots yeah. because if you just do it around your sock they can still nail you there but you don't want them getting up inside your pant leg but yeah you can do that Um, in places where you have bees that are a little bit more docile you know you can get away with just the upper portion or even some cases just a veil and that's not a problem at all but I I am a huge advocate of the ventilated suits because Mm -hmm. the ones that are solid material they just don't breathe I don't care how thin it is they don't breathe and at least in that 10 pound suit I say 10 pounds. It's actually like five to seven, yeah, but it bad. feels like 10 when it's soaking wet. Yeah, <laughs> so, but yeah, those are great. I and like those. And are they going to tune in next week or tune week next after week. next? No, tune in next week. Next we're going to, I don't know how we're going to pull this off, um, but I think we're going to try to go back to a something every week. So, you know, our our main episodes are scheduled to come out the first and third Mondays of every month, and Mm -hmm. that's like the main beekeeping information. But we we did really good there for a couple months of having bonus episodes in between all that. And I think we're going to go back to that. So you guys should hear pretty soon be looking forward to a new episode of The Hive Jive every single week. And if we get real, real steady and consistent with it, we may even just go in there and change it to where that's our permanent format is every Monday you get a new episode. So I'm going to try to keep us on that schedule. We'll do something. We'll put out a bonus episode for you guys on, you know, who knows what. But it'll have something to do. And, you know, there'll be some good information in there. Guarantee you we'll have fun doing it. Absolutely. And y'all be good. Be good. (laughs) 
Bye. Thank y'all. The show might be over for now, but the sting won't last long. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as we'll be swarming in with new episodes the first and third Mondays of each month. Until then, behave yourselves.